Welcome into another edition of Hey Fight and Podcast. I'm Cody Worsham, joined by Jacob Hester, Harrison Valentine, producing in the yellow chair, Nick Garrison, producing in the purple chair. Of course, we're, I guess it's a gold chair. It's not a yellow chair. Like, I'm already off to a rough start here. We were talking about this before the show started. It's game week. I am not in game week shape right now, Hester. The LSU football team is fresh. They're coming out of camp healthier than they ever have been. I am the opposite. Like, I am I am beat up. I'm tired. Uh, all the enthusiasm that I've had over the last couple of episodes is gone, eroded. I'm struggling. I need I need you to elevate me today. I need you to okay. to bring me up because I'm I'm struggling. Well, if you can't tell, he's got the button up on. You know that means Professor uh, Warsham Facts. has been professing today. Yeah, I have been professing. So, Sorry, you know, so you, you've been here. a teacher. You've been out there. You've been on the grind. So it's okay. <sighs> we will lift you up today. We will fake it until we make it. We can't allow these listeners to think that we're not excited about game day because we are. The goal is by the end of the episode for me to be elevated and be in the mood for game game day and game week. I'm not there right now. Um, I'll be honest. Like these 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 streets, these college streets, the classroom is rough. Like it's you got to bring your A game every day. If you don't, those college kids are vicious and they'll get you. So, How old do you feel? I feel 47 today. Okay. Uh, I feel 47. Uh, mm. I was gonna say 46, but I feel older than that. I feel I mean, 47. You're what? 34. 33. Oh, I'm 33, so I've aged 14 years. Um, but yesterday I felt like 34. I was feeling okay. good yesterday. So uh, today it's just you know lack of sleep. Uh, I gave up. You know this was something me and my wife talked about this weekend. I, I we decided this week we weren't gonna drink at all, and I'm two days in. I, I, I don't mean not drink water. I mean don't drink alcohol. And I'm two days in, and I'm already like, man, this was a bad decision. Because like, you get home, it's 6.30, you're, the kids are going crazy, mm-hmm. and you just need that little sip to take the edge off. But I'm, I'm abstaining this week so that I can be in great shape for Sunday because um, it's a big it's a big week, Hester. It's opening week for LSU football. I thought you were going to say y'all gave up coffee, which I was going to call you no, a crazy no, man. No, no. You can't do that. I mean, little actually, PSA. Actually, you got multiple children, early mornings, coffee is a savior. Actually, I'm drinking exclusively coffee. Um, there is a bottle of water in front of me here. I haven't opened it. Like All I'm drinking is coffee pretty much from – maybe that's why I feel bad. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe my body just wants water. Maybe that's yeah. uh, all that it needs. Maybe my body wants water like your car wants petroleum. And if your car wants petroleum, Marathon Petroleum is the place to go. Marathon Petroleum, get the most out of your drive. I okay. Mean, look, I can tell you're off your A game because I threw like – multiple times you could have said fuel anything ah, i'm like alley-ooping and like you wow, just wow totally I mean, missed it well yeah. hopefully okay. lsu football is sharper on sunday than i have been to start this podcast and i'll tell you who was sharp it was brian kelly his press conference yesterday did get me fired up that's why i was feeling younger yesterday maybe i just need another brian kelly press conference in my life because he was on point yesterday with his message hester we're going to talk about florida state we're going to preview the Seminoles, they played Duquesne on Saturday. I don't know how much we actually learned from that, but there's this interesting dilemma or this interesting dichotomy between – there's a professorial word yep. – dichotomy between LSU, who hasn't played, Florida State, who has played, and the tactical advantages between those two programs right now. And you heard Brian Kelly talking about tactical advantages yesterday – he held back on announcing who the starting quarterback was, which is really interesting. He talked about the advantages that Florida State has playing a game. I think for all of us, we're in a space where a year ago we remember the tactical disadvantages that LSU had not having that warm-up game. So, you know, maybe we're all in a different mind space, but Brian Kelly yesterday, one of the most calculated press conferences I've seen, one of the most 
clearly communicated press conferences I've seen. There was so much to dig into. What stood out for you from yesterday's press conference? If we're talking about just something that he gave us that we didn't really know, the offensive line starting yes. five yes. was certainly something that stood out to me. And I know Interesting we're gonna get, that he revealed it. it. It is, and I know we're going to get into that. The quarterback stuff was not that surprising to me. You had an opponent that played in Florida State in a week zero game, so you got to see their personnel. There's nothing that says I have to name my starting quarterback to the public. Now, the individual knows, the offensive coaches know, the team knows, everybody in that building who needs to know, well, they know who the starter's going to be. And if you had two guys that were the same skill set, right, if you had two statues back there, if you had two guys that like to use their legs, if whatever the situation, two guys that were similar, okay, it's not that big a deal. Like how much are you really going to, to try to – withhold from the opponent but the fact that you have two guys that have two different skill sets I think it is important if you want to try to keep that something in-house allow Florida State to waste time preparing on one of the skill sets that's not your starter it can go a long way now can you keep this a secret can you keep this from getting out right it's only Tuesday you got to go an extra day you got to go all the way to Sunday now teams have been able to do this in the past last year Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald he said our starting quarterback is going to be the guy that rolls out there first noon on Saturday and they held that it didn't get out so can LSU do that that's going to be something now the more the more you go down the road Cody and you have that still withheld they're still practicing they practiced yesterday for both quarterbacks. They'll practice today for both quarterbacks. They'll practice Wednesday for both quarterbacks. And even if it gets out Thursday, they've had to spend three days practicing on both quarterbacks. That was exactly what I thought about when he decided to hold the quarterback decision back from the public was that decision to not reveal it indicates, in my opinion, that Brian Kelly feels like he can hold on to that information until the last minute, until the guy rolls out there. And maybe there will be some announcement before then, I doubt it. Um, I think the first time we'll see is maybe in warm-ups on Saturday or Sunday. Excuse me. I love that's like my favorite part of warm-ups is when the media starts tweeting like this guy yeah. ran first with this group, and I wouldn't put it past Brian Kelly to maybe you know put a couple little uh, twists in there where you show one thing in warm-ups and then go another direction. But it shows a supreme confidence in being able to control the message mm -hmm. that he feels like he can hold that back publicly but still internally communicate in the way that he needs to with his team so that they have clarity and confidence going into the game uh, and typically you see this a lot with other programs you've seen it I think was it Michigan that announced they were going to name one starting quarterback for one game and then another quarterback was going to start the second game um, that's one way of doing it I think other programs in the past LSU programs in the past included would have just come out and said hey this guy's going to be our starter we're rolling with it mm -hmm. but Brian Kelly thinking very tactically it's this total preparation that again we've talked about all fall we've talked about it uh, on every podcast basically the goal now is to go from total preparation to total implementation and getting all of those things all of those traits implemented into the game and this quarterback discussion is just a little piece of that because you're right he revealed the offensive line piece he wasn't mm. worried about giving that piece away but he held back on the quarterback piece. And so you know you can already tell there's a thoughtfulness and a deliberateness with which Brian Kelly is approaching his first game as an LSU head coach, but the entire building of this program. And so I have my notes from yesterday's press conference. There was stuff about the defense. There was stuff about the offense, a lot on Florida State. Um, we can dive into some of the things he said about the quarterbacks too, but 
I just walked away from that press conference thinking this is a coach that's thought through everything, including how he wants to message externally, but also how he's going to communicate internally to his team. Yeah, there's a plan in place for everything, and there's a purpose for everything, and there's a process to everything, and we've talked about that so many times. You've seen it on the follow. Like, you know exactly what we're talking about, and so there was no surprise yesterday that that was something that was tailored. It had a purpose. It had a point. There, there was a reason why he said everything that he said, and so, like, the offensive line stuff was fascinating to me just because I didn't think that we would get that. And we see this lineup, and it's a lineup that is very unique. It's a lineup that includes five guys that have played tackle in their career, right? That's not something that you typically get. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a lineup that we certainly can break down. But I was even surprised that he let that out because he is making sure that everyone has to prepare for everything. And he's also probably keeping some competitions going this week, right? Because there's going to be – like quarterback, okay, you name a starter. But like even if you name a starter at, let's say, linebacker or you name a first four at receiver, we all know that multiple guys are still going to play. So you want to create that competition throughout game week. You don't put a depth chart out there because then guys, you know, look, it's human nature. You start to maybe sulk a little bit. You start to get down on yourself a little bit. No, 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 no. This week we're still going towards fighting for those last couple of spots in that rotation. No matter what, LSU will have a new starting quarterback and a new head coach coaching in their first game, playing quarterback, starting for the first time uh, for LSU, depending on if it's Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer does have a start under his belt, but you're going to get uh, the debut of a new coach and a new quarterback. Harrison, Todd Polite's actually had a tweet on that, if you want to pull it up and read it to us in a second, that I thought was very interesting. We may need to fact check him on that, because I think you said debut quarterback, but Nussmeyer has debuted. So pull that up for me, and we'll read it out in a second. But Todd Polite's always coming through with the clutch stats. The other thing that stood out to me about the quarterback – um, spot Harrison, you raised your finger. I, got I believe you have the information yeah, I got that we're looking for. Quick work, like Man, a Google search engine. The GA, he's, uh, he's the awesome. one two hours ago. Yes. So he said, Todd Polites at T Polites on Twitter. He said, regardless of which LSU football quarterback takes the first snap on September fourth, uh, it will be the second time since 1958 that LSU opened a season with a new head coach and a first time starting QB. Um, sophomore Alan Risher. Alan Risher, Harrison, I got to update you on your. That's, I mean, that's just downright disrespectful. We're going to have to update you on your LSU football history. Started, that was 20 years before I was born. That's so. true. That's true. You are very young. Um, started the 1980 season for Jerry Stovall. I know that. Uh, versus, <laughs> Good job. Versus, if you didn't know uh, that one, buddy, yeah, we were yeah, going to yeah. have to ask you to kindly leave. Uh, versus number 13, Florida State. Okay. And and I guess there, I guess there is a little yeah. bit of a nuance there in that Nussmeyer has started a game. I know he hasn't. Uh, he didn't start the Arkansas game. No, he did not. Max Johnson got one series, wow. and then here comes Nussmeyer. Fact check thrown back in my face. Never yeah. question Todd Polites. You can question me at just about every uh, turn, but do not question Todd Polites. Good stat there from Todd Harrison. Uh, thank you for reading that. The other thing that stood out to me about the quarterback conversation yesterday with Brian Kelly was there were a couple really good questions. One, the legend Scooter Hobbs coming through with just an absolutely fantastic question when he asked – uh, Coach Kelly, after he had declined to announce the starting quarterback, he said, how long have you known who the starting quarterback would be? And it was such a good question from yeah. Scooter, who's a legend in the game, because Brian Kelly had to think about it. And then you got to sort of think think through like the last three weeks, four weeks. He, he His answer was 48 hours, right? I've known yeah. for about 48 hours. That's how close it was. Um, but if he's known for longer than that, or had he known longer than that, depending on what that answer was, you got to be very thoughtful. Have I tipped my hand in any way? So it was a really good question from Scooter. But there was another question about, and I don't remember who it was from, 
but it was about keeping those quarterbacks engaged. And I loved his answer to that. And from my notes, he basically said there's not a uh, – he talked about the similarities one and that there's not a dramatic difference. So in terms of the preparation, you're not really going to prepare one way or the other. Depending on who the quarterback is, you're going to prepare the same way. But he talked about those guys being so engaged and so close to playing that you know they, 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 he's not worried about them being engaged. It's not like one guy's the runaway starter and mm-hmm. the other guy's just going to go put his helmet under the, the bench is what I believe he said. You've got a clear uh, competition here, no matter who wins the job, where that next guy is going to be engaged. And I think that's important. And you, as somebody that's been through these quarterback competitions as a player uh, and observed them up close, understand probably better than anybody, except for maybe the guys who are in the competition, how important it is to stay engaged, stay ready, because whoever starts, I don't think they're going to take every snap under center this year. And right. whoever doesn't start, I don't think they're going to be on the sideline the whole year. Their role is going to be important no matter what. Yeah, they got to be dialed in. That's what I talked about. Like, you can't sulk. Like, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You have to know that you've got to stay ready. Like, you truly do. And I've always appreciated the way Flynn handled that with Jamarcus. Like, it was a competition. I mean, obviously, look, Matt Flynn played a decade in the NFL. I know Jamarcus was the number one pick, but that was a competition that maybe the media didn't know how close that was. But Jimbo opened that thing up every single year. And Matt always stayed locked in and ready to go. And there was times Matt would go in, he would play, but his entire career, he never, like you mentioned, he didn't go put his helmet over there on the trunk and just sit there and sulk. He was ready to go at all times. He also helped Jamarcus. When Jamarcus would come off the sideline, he would help him. And then in 2007, we had a situation where, I mean, Perilu had to be ready to go because he had a piece of the offense. It was a small piece, but it was a piece of the offense. So in that situation, you like your backup to be engaged. Even in 2004, when Marcus Randall was the quarterback, and Jamarcus and Flynn would rotate in there. So they had to be ready to go. Like I, I've been around situations where the backup just sulks. He doesn't want to help the starter. The starter comes off the field. He's not really engaged in it. He's kind of out doing his own thing. That's a situation you want to avoid. Because if you have two guys that are locked in, ready to go, like whoever the quarterback is, that backup can help that starter. And even if it's not playing time, even if it is truly, hey, I saw this when they were playing quarter, quarter halves, this was open, you were looking here, just go here. And it's not to try to correct him, it's to help him. Whether you've got tickets to the game or not, you've got to get down to Baton Rouge. From the tailgates and watch parties to the stadium seats themselves, there's nowhere else to be than right here for game day. Go to visitbatonrouge.com to plan all your weekend festivities. Whoever wins the job, it's going to be very, very important that LSU's offensive line protects them. We know that, right? Uh, And it was interesting to hear Coach Kelly's thoughts on the offensive line yesterday uh, as he, as we said, just laid it out there for you. And it's shifted a little bit from where it started in camp, where you had Tremont Schwartz at guard, you had Anthony Bradford at tackle. It looks like they're going to go with Cam Wire at right tackle, Bradford on the inside, uh, and then you fill it out from there with Garrett Dellinger, with Miles Frazier, and then with Will Campbell, the freshman. Were you surprised that he revealed the offensive line? I guess you already touched on that, but would you think of the unveiling of this offensive line and what kind of offensive line it could be. It seems like Coach Kelly thinks it could be a more physical offensive line, maybe not his most athletic offensive line, but one that can um, play physical at the point of contact. From where it started, okay, if we go back like in the spring, it's like, okay, Will Campbell, you're going to go shorts there, guard. You're going to go Turner probably at center, right? And you're going to go Frazier at the other guard, and you're going to go Cam Wyatt at right tackle. And then it kind of changed. And then you had Shorts and Frazier at your guard positions. You had Turner at center. Then you had Bradford a little bit out there at right tackle. And then all of a sudden, here comes Garrett Dellinger. And he's somebody that we love, pro football focus loves as well. 
And he starts out his career at tackle, right? Played games last year at tackle. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, a little bit of guard. And then he finds his way at center. So we're talking about now you've got Campbell, Frazier, Dellinger, Bradford, Wire. All five of those players have played tackle mm-hmm. in their career. Now, Will Campbell first started in college, but he's a ta- if, there, if there's ever been a tackle, it's Will Campbell, yes. right? So Frazier did it at FIU. Dellinger did it in his LSU career. Bradford's done it. Wire's certainly done it. He's the most experienced of this group. And so to me, like you got some versatility in this group, and it is a more physical offensive line, maybe not the most athletic. And when you have a center that is – a tackle build like Dellinger, that's obviously going to happen. There's some strengths, there's some weaknesses as far as like what that can do for you, but they feel like this group can give them the best push up front. So it's a very interesting group. I think it's actually probably the best five that you can put out there right now. I mean, you've got a lot of experience, a lot of guys that have cross-trained in multiple positions. Now, Dellinger at center, I'm excited about it. There's going to be some challenges. I think he can handle those challenges. And Will Campbell, as good as he is, as good as he's going to be, I've said it on this podcast, I think he's the best offensive lineman since Andrew Whitworth at LSU. He's still a freshman. He's still 18 years old. He'll have some challenges. He'll have some times that he's got to understand that you're not going to be perfect, right? You might, if you throw 40 passes and you win 38 reps and the other guy wins two, you have to know that you can continue to build off that. It's not the end of the world, right? Okay, so those are the questions I have right now, but I like the group. It was a question mark coming into fall camp. What's this offensive line going to look like? I feel better about this now with the group that they're going to roll out there. Again, reading into what Brian Kelly said yesterday and how he said it, I loved how in-depth he went on Garrett Dellinger. And his, he called him the linchpin to the offensive line. And the, he talked about building the line from the inside out and I had echoes in my head of Jack Marucci on the cutting edge the episode we just put out about the offensive line and he talked about how they identified Dellinger as a center candidate because of his S2 cognition testing Mm -hmm. they do an S2 cognition test it's not really an intelligence test it's more of a processing test a cognition is more of like speed of thought ability to process multiple uh, inputs at once that sort of thing and they, they tested the entire offensive line and Dellinger's S2 testing was incredible. He's just a smart, sharp, cognitively advanced player. So they said, we're moving him to center and (laughs) we're going to get him there and we'll build out from there. Right. And so Brad Davis cross trains this group, but the the, the way that, and you develop the, the guards and your tackles and it's shifted around a little bit in fall camp, but they found their five, but the, the confidence that coach Kelly expressed in Garrett Dellinger yesterday, he talked about the practice where the media was out there, where he had a few bad snaps. Yeah. I've been out there. He had a couple bad snaps and he was on him hard. Right. And I think the media took note of that. And probably there were a couple tweets after practice yeah. about that, but it, it, quote, he said, I was pretty demanding on him. Certainly required a lot of follow-up with him, spending time with him, making sure he stayed confident in that. And he did that. And you were probably told the same thing as I was as a kid growing up in sports. When the coach is yelling at you, it's a good thing. When he stops yelling at you, it's a bad thing because he doesn't care, right? And so that, that hard coaching that they put into Dellinger um, looks like it's paid off. We'll see how that offensive line develops. I think it's an offensive line that has a very high floor. It starts from a very high floor, I believe, and the ceiling is, is, is great. And I think they'll grow as Dellinger develops into center, as Campbell grows uh, at left tackle. Um, we kind of know what we have in those other pieces. You've seen them or they have enough snaps under their belt. You kind of know what they are. But it's got a, it's got the chance to be uh, a really, really good offensive line. We'll see how good, and Florida State will be a test of that because they have some guys on the, on the defensive front that are going to be challenging for LSU, but I'm excited about their potential. Yeah, you've got a massive, massive interior three, right? You, you've got 
former tackles as we've laid out. But Dellinger at center, Bradford at right guard. I mean, you're talking about some real mass. Harrison, pull up their weights on the roster if you would. I want to, I want to know what the, the combined weight of those three guys is because I was thinking the oh. same thing. Like imagine as a quarterback sitting back here <laughs> and you've got those three dudes in front of you. you got to yeah. feel pretty safe. Yeah, but the thing about Bradford and Dellinger, because they've played tackle, they've got good feet. Right, so it's not like, hey, let's take the biggest guy and let's put him at guard. Or no, no, no. They, like they have athletic ability. They couldn't play on an island like they have in their career if they didn't. So that's going to be, I think, key for them. I think it's going to be something that is a big positive for them. Yes, they're big bodies, but also they are athletic enough to be able to play out there on the edge. Every time I was out there, you got a Harrison, Bradford, Dellinger, and who else? And Miles Frazier. Frazier. Miles Frazier. Yeah, go ahead and look at those three and their combined weight. Every time I was out there, and Bradford's such an interesting guy because he has played right tackle for LSU. He's played inside for LSU. Every coach has said the same thing about him. Great feet. Yeah. Like, great feet. They love his feet. It's always been for him getting the weight to a, a an appropriate, healthy spot where he can move but still dominate. But, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that um, has all the physical ability in the world. He's got it. Dellinger, the ability to process. Frazier, a guy that played – was he a left tackle last year? At FIU, yeah, he was a left tackle, so he's got good feet too. You can basically what they do at that level, and basically any level of football, is you take your most athletic offensive lineman and put him out at left tackle. So he's got some athleticism too. Be interesting to see how that affects the LSU run game. Harrison, you got numbers for us? Yep, Anthony Bradford is three forty-five. Garrett Dellinger is three twenty, and Miles Frazier is three twenty-three. So that comes almost a thousand pounds. I was hoping they would get to a thousand pounds because that'd be like a good even just under. Number. 988 pounds of... Uh, All right, somebody needs to go have a meal or two. <laughs> yeah, We're trying to go, get to 1,000 here. Let's put on okay? a little bit. Let's, uh, We're trying to get to 1,000 Chef here. Michael was in here yesterday. We'll ask him to make a couple extra portions for uh, the interior of that line to get him to 1,000. But it's it's an athletic, big group. I know Coach Kelly said it's not his yeah. most athletic line that he's ever had, but I'm excited That's about okay. it. That's okay. I mean, not every offensive line is built the same, right? It's all about how they play together. It's about the unit. It's about trusting each other. It's about you certainly having the ability, but... We always, you know, lay out our 2007 offensive line whenever we get together. Like, not one of those guys played a, a regular season snap in the NFL, but they were damn good together, right? And you had guys, same thing, cross-training. Like, Herman Johnson came in as a tackle, ended up playing guard. You had Carnell Stewart, who came to LSU as a defensive end, ended up playing right tackle. You had Lyle Hitt, who came to LSU as a defensive tackle, ended up playing right guard. Right, So you had kind of the same movement and not going across to the other side of the football, but you had guys that moved into those spots, didn't start their LSU career in that spot, but they played so well together. They trusted each other. They believed in each other. Even when Ryan Miller, who was the backup center, had to come in at guard in the Florida game, we didn't miss a beat. Like It's all about that unit is all about unity. Now you have to have the ability, but that's only a portion of it. Having that unity together, knowing that when you're blocking power or counter or zone run or you've got a, a five-man protection where the back's out, you free release, it's just y'all. Like you have to trust each other that the tackle's going to fan out to his responsibility and not leave you on an island, whatever it might be. Like you have to have that in that group. So that, to me, more than anything, is just as important. And it's a group that Dellinger and Bradford missed the spring. So the fact that they've been able to catch up and get into these starting roles is pretty impressive considering – Neither one of those guys was able to go in the spring. Harrison, I know you have thoughts about the press conference. Yep. So I don't know you. if you remember what I told you yesterday, but if there was one word I would use to describe the presser was just professional. Like it was almost surreal to be in there because he just commands the room. Uh, he's very diplomatic. 
you know, it all, it was just all very professional. And from the second walked in, even Bonnet wearing a blazer at a Monday press conference, you know, BK wearing a blazer. Um, you could just tell that every detail matters from the top down. Um, and there's just something in the air when, when he walks in, it's just the media, you know, buttons up, everyone stands mm -hmm. up. It's just, uh, it, it's very professional and he, he just commands that room when he walks in. Should we all wear blazers? Did Cody wear the button up? Um, no, he had a button down. Yeah, I had a button down like this. I was wearing oh, the button down. I, I was it wearing a the, uh, the lavender. Right. I had a blazer. I was wearing BK the lavender had a nice yesterday blue blazer. With the, with all right, the blue Nick, chinos. button up or button down? Uh, oh. Button down. Okay, button down. so I'm the only button up. You call it a button up. Button I call up. it a button up too. Okay. Yeah, I, button down. That's that's like a millennial. Well, I'm a millennial, I guess. What are y'all Gen Z? That's a Gen Z thing. I yeah, I'm 47 up. years old. Okay, it's a button up for me. All I right, meant that's... when BK walks in, like everyone buttons up, meaning like. Oh, you're using a up. metaphor. Very poetic yep. of you, Harrison. Good, good, uh, good metaphor there. Now I don't even know which one I use. All I know is everybody was dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. I mean, you got you got Michael Bonnet in a blazer. We we did some good things. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm completely uh, yeah. We're all completely thrown off. I think we should all wear blazers next week. Is the point? Uh, we could be the men in blazers, but it could be like a football thing. We can. Uh, and shout now out to Raj. we're the only two that know what we're talking <laughs> shout about. Shout out to Raj here. and Davo. A uh, couple other press conference notes that I had. One, Jack Besh back full speed. Mm -hmm. Man, that wide receiver room is deep. God, there's so much talent there with Besh, with uh, Malik Neighbors, with Kayshawn Butte, with Brian Thomas, with Chris Hilton when he's healthy, um, with Kyron Lacey. Like, that is a loaded. I'm calling you out. You did it. You did it like everybody else does it. I forgot somebody important. You did. Well, there's so many good guys in there. It's hard. It's like and it's it like happens, going to Baskin Robbins are, and like missing you, one of the flavors. Yeah, you're you going to miss one of the flavors. There's are, a lot of good ones. No, but there's always one flavor that everyone misses. Hold on, don't don't do it. Don't do it. Harrison, do you know who I missed? Because I have no idea who I missed. Say Brian Thomas. You I did, did say Brian Thomas. I said best. Malik Neighbors. Best. I said Neighbors. I said Butte. Jure Jenkins. Jure Jenkins. Ah, Jure. My bad. My B jury. No, okay. So this is not Just because this is not because it's my three one eight brethren. It is not that. It is the fact that go watch Florida. Go watch A and M. Go watch the big moments from a year ago, even two years ago. There's one receiver that always shows up when you need that moment. It is Jare Jenkins. Yep. He is someone that everyone forgets about. This is not on Cody. Look, I have done a thousand shows, Cody. And a thousand times, Dre Jenkins gets forgotten about. I got to be better than that, though. Like, I, like I'm just not in game. I'm, week I'm not even calling you. I'm, I'm saying like that is a name. I'm talking about every piece of media. This is somebody that Brian Kelly challenged in a press conference. He did. Speaking of pressers, I mean, he challenged Dre Jenkins. Yep, He's like, he did. I need you to be that guy every single day. And then there's reports that he was that guy that next week. Okay, now you got to parlay that into two weeks, into three weeks, into four weeks, and so. Some of this comes on Jure. Hey, you got to be consistent. I know he can be. He's done it in big moments. Now you got to do it in the little moments because there's little moments as well, like a third and 11 that might not decide the game, but you got to be the guy that the quarterback can trust. And so he's a name as well in that receiver room, an older veteran guy. And again, it's a very, very deep room, but he's a guy that I expect a lot from and you need to get a lot from because he is an older veteran guy. Another uh, part of the press conference that I enjoyed was coach kelly talking about his analytics book where basically they have when they have to make a decision like they have a book and somebody's holding the book yeah. and they look at the numbers and that's how they make the decision right which is really interesting to me but he had this quote who gets to hold that book i don't know it's not that's my pretty, job that feels that's pretty a, important that's a, that's a high stakes job like that's a 
That's an important one. I don't know who it is. Maybe maybe he held that back on purpose. Maybe he's being uh, strategic about having that tactical oh, advantage. If you don't pressure. know who's holding the book, like you can't run an out route over toward him and try to knock him out of the game and take him out. So yeah, that's true. Um, maybe maybe they're trying to hold that back. But the other piece was I love. He said, um, I use the book, and sometimes I use my gut. And that's the art and science of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that stood out to me. And then I loved the answer about um, the, the kicker. When they talked about the kicking position, and if it would affect their strategy. And I think it might have been the the same question or the same comment. It was Moscona, and he asked, like, one question and then a follow-up. And he, actually, the first thing he talked about was the health, which we can talk about in a second. But then he talked about the kicker. And if, um, because it's been such a competitive job, if who you decide on at kicker affects strategy. And his answer was so good. When we make a decision on the kicker, we're all in. We're all in. We're not going to change the way we operate the game and protect anybody and it was such a forceful answer because you could see as brian polian said last week we have been spoiled at that, kicker that was a great clip cole tracy uh cade york who hit a 70 yarder on social media the other day and is just probably the greatest kicker in lsu football history i, I, I don't even know if the probably is there i don't want to disrespect any of the great kickers that have come before but certainly the, the best one that i've seen in terms of accuracy, leg, yeah. consistency, clutch. About outside of like maybe one year, LSU's been spoiled. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to – I mean, just going back to my time, Colt David. I mean, Colt David was I – mean, Josh Jasper. I mean, we can go, I mean, just on and on with kicker names of, of guys that have made big kicks and have big legs and Drew Elamon and just go on and on. I mean, there's really only been uh, – I think – you know, 2017, there were some struggles. But outside of that, I mean, you've had kicker after kicker. PKU. Certainly the last two. St. Paul's legend, Trent Domingue. Trent Domingue. Uh, and a lot of – Kobe De La Husse. De, De La Husse. I mean, we're going to forget out – we're going to forget Here some important are. names. PKU, Place Kicker University. Okay. I feel like that sure. should be a thing that we run with. You, yeah. you sound supportive of it too. Yeah. But I Can love – uh, you know, fullback U2? Fullback U, Just FBU. because? Yeah, I think so. I mean, name name a school that's put out better fullbacks. I dare you. Uh, you can't. There's probably like some. No, like, there's not. There's not. Okay. Don't worry about it. I'm about to say, there's like, probably like a one. Big Ten school that still uses one. So. <laughs> I got you on this one. Last thing from the press conference, and then let's do like a few minutes on Florida State. You will get more Florida State preview this week from Chris Blair on Hearing Voices. He's going to have the voice of the Seminoles on to give you kind of an insider look at Florida State. So if you want more of that, stay tuned for that on the podcast network this week. Check it out on LSU Gold, all that stuff. Um, the other thing from the press conference, and I don't remember how it came up, but he was asked about, again, the advantages of being at LSU versus um, where he had been before, which is what he kept referring to it as yesterday, but Notre Dame. And he talked about, obviously, the alignment. The alignment mm-hmm. word was brought back up. He talked about what he called the physical plant. And what he meant by that was the nutrition center, the weight room, and then the facilities, obviously, to tie all that together. And it was such an interesting, like, week one comment. Like, you, that typically doesn't come up, but I think he was just being genuine in his answer. And I thought about that physical plant and the unity and the union they have with Chef Michael and with Bo Lowry and with Jake Flint and all the great people they have over there sort of putting this team together. And it made me think about this whole total preparation that Brian Kelly's talked about. And it started when he first got here, and it was a slow burn. You're going to see this on the documentary series that we have on LSU Gold that's that's following all year round. You're going to see this up close and personal. In the follow, T-Bob likes to talk about this when he does behind the follow. But in the follow, there's this scene where Jake Flint is teaching the team how to ba- break it down, basically. Yeah. Like, he blows the whistle, we're going to get down, we're going to say, oh, or whatever they say. I right. can't remember what they say. 
and they kind of do it and it's like a little awkward, right? It's a little <laughs> awkward. It's the first time, yeah. like nobody really knows how to do it. He's getting used to the team. It's his first time leading a team in this position as the main strength and conditioning guy. Well, then you get into the new documentary series we have coming out, which I'm not going to announce the name yet, but you'll see it soon. It'll launch this week. You'll be able to find it on LSU Gold. It's going to follow the team every week, all season long, behind the scenes. The first episode just kind of catches you up on fall camp to get us mm-hmm. ready for week one. And in the first episode, they do that same thing, and it's completely different. Like, it's just so natural, and it pumps you up. Like, the music drops right when it hits. Yeah. It gets you fired up. And it's it shows the growth of the program, right? And so I was thinking about that yesterday as he's talking about this physical plant and the development of this team and the total preparation that's gone from day one to now. And now it's time to implement that. So you go from process to implementation. And I'm really curious to see how long that takes for LSU. Are we going to see a team against Florida State that looks more physically ready, that looks more mentally ready, that looks better coach and executes better? If we do, will that be enough to win the game? Uh, If not, will we see enough growth and development to feel encouraged moving forward? That's what I'm fascinated to see. I've never had more questions about an LSU team going into the season. I've never mm. felt like I've known less about the individual players, but never felt like I've known more about the process to get them ready. So now right. I want to see how much that preparation do we see on day one? How much growing pains does this team have? I can't wait to see. Like I'm really fascinated to see that. Oh, I am as well. I called the UCLA-LSU game. It was the only time I've been on the radio. I was with CB up in the booth, and that was a game that I was – you know, just totally shocked. We were shell shocked. You and I, I mean, on the. I remember being on the bus. I felt bamboozled a yeah, little bit. Yeah, in Los Angeles, we're riding to the game. We're yeah. riding to the game, and we're like, "Yeah, we're, we're going to win this game." Like there was a supreme confidence, borderlining it, on arrogance well, it wasn't, from my part. But it wasn't even like win or, or lose. Really, for me, it was the way you got beat, and the way that you came into that game and just you got pushed around. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. You got pushed around a little bit. You got beat up front and. A little, a little sluggish, a little whatever you want to say. It's just like, wait a minute. And I know UCLA played a game. We can get in that whole discussion. But that was the biggest shocking thing for me was just like, man, this is game one. Game one, you come out with your hair on fire. It's like it just didn't look right, right? It, it looked like you needed an oil change. I mean, I just I don't know what was going on. And, like, so for me, like, I want to see, okay, I want to see something different. I want to see fresh. I want to see excited. I want to see push. I want to see – you know, like you talked about, like being in the right spots, being coachable, looking like you've prepared for the game. Like even in success in that game, you got an interception against UCLA, but the guy that got the interception was in the wrong coverage. I mean, yep. I mean that that's the type of game that that was. Yep. And I remember thinking, man, why is the defensive backs coach going after you? It's like, oh yeah, he's in the wrong coverage. Even your successes were the products of mistakes, without question. So for me, yes, LSU, go win the game. You're favored in the game. It's in the Super. All of that. But I want to see what it looks like, what it feels like, because I never want to watch an LSU game, an opener, and have the same feeling that I had a year ago in Pasadena. That didn't feel like the LSU I know, the LSU I love, and the LSU I know it can be. We're going to see. We're going to see in game one. I also loved, and we don't have to dive into this. We'll dive into it more later. The week of preparation that goes into the game that Coach Kelly talked about. It's a new calendar for us to adjust to. You have Mental Monday. You have Attitude Tuesday. Focus Friday, success Saturday. Like there's there's this whole new calendar we have to get used to, but you could tell there is a sense of trying to keep that team fresh and energized in every way mm-hmm. possible. And I think I know it's gonna be as healthy a team as we've seen going into week one 
knock on wood, they get through this week uh, healthy and, and and ready to go for Saturday or Sunday. God, I'm going to keep making that mistake Sunday. Come on, Cody, it's game week. Get I just right. think Superdome Sundays. Superdome, Superdome Sundays. Uh, they're going to be healthy, and they're going to be fresh. Will that translate into not getting pushed around and being the, the aggressor and being the pusher? I hope so. I think it will. But a lot of that will depend on Florida State. So let's talk about Florida State. We saw them against Duquesne yep. on Saturday. I watched a little bit of it. Didn't watch much of it because I didn't find it that valuable other than to get familiar with personnel. personnel. Yeah. Um, but Duquesne was just – Florida State was so much more physical and and uh, they were just they, – they were at a different level than Duquesne. So it was hard to take any drastic takeaways from that. The couple that I took away is Jordan Travis is good. Like you can tell he's, he's a good player. They're trying to – I think Mike Norvell talked about this in the last week or two, but they're trying to develop him more as that patient pocket guy. He can buy time. I pulled up some stats on him. His ability to, to buy time in the pocket uh, is incredible. I think last year he was 3.25 seconds to throw um, per pass. It was longest in the ACC. Yep. He can buy time. I think what they've worked on with him is not feeling like he has to default to buying time where it's drop back three-step, nothing's there, roll out right. They're trying to get him more comfortable in the three-step drop, scanning, progression, progression. We saw a little bit of it against Duquesne, but not much because they were so dominant in the run game. Their three running backs over 100 yards. Those three running backs looked pretty good. Yeah, um, they had some big running lanes for sure. But Trey Brent Benson popped to me as a big physical guy from from uh, from Oregon. I believe he's yep. a transfer from. He looked like a big physical guy, shedding tackles, forced a lot of missed tackles. So they they've got some talented running backs. They got a six seven receiver. They've got some some other guys that have made some plays at receiver. Uh, but to me, their offense is about their quarterback his ability to make plays in the pocket or on the run, and uh, and about their offensive line. And I think that's somewhere that LSU can win the football game. LSU's defensive front is something that Matt House and Brian Kelly are very confident in. Florida State's offensive line didn't grade out great in that Duquesne game despite the running uh, success, the rushing success, and despite the fact that they protected him. When Pro Football Focus looked at that film, they didn't grade out that offensive line super high. That tells me there's an opportunity for someone like Mason Smith, someone like Ali Gay, someone like B.J. Ojolari to have a big game and make a big impact and be disruptive up front. Yeah, so when you go back and you watch the tape, I actually agree with pro football focus on the offensive line. It was more the running backs, Ward, Benson, uh, Toafile. Like they were guys that were going out there breaking tackles. Now there was some technique stuff that we could talk about maybe with the defense, but it was those guys breaking those tackles, and they did a really nice job of running physical, running downhill. Ward's actually been doing it for a long time at Florida State. I thought he had a really nice year last year, ran for 600 yards per carry. He's somebody that I think was right at six I think, yards. I think he led the ACC in yards Yeah, I mean, he was somebody year. that had success last year. Uh, Toa Philly, somebody I talked about, he was there. He's been there a long time. He got some run last year in the opener against Notre Dame. But Benson only had six carries, I believe, in his career at Oregon before he comes to Florida State. And so he gets 11 carries, almost doubles his college total. And he was very physical, as you mentioned. All three, I thought, were really, really impressive. Hill. He, he had it nine for 55. So the backs had a really big day. I thought Jordan Travis obviously wasn't going to be asked to do a lot. He can do a lot. Certainly we've seen him do that. Last year, early in the season, he's splitting time with Mackenzie Milton. We all remember him from UCF. But he took over that team. It is his team. They'll open that up for him a little bit more, certainly in this week. The offensive line does have some question marks. The center position, they don't know if they're going to be able to get their starting center back. And if you don't have your starting center, and if you're LSU, 
you've got Mason Smith and you've got Jaquelin Roy right there ahead of that guy, like you've got to win that one-on-one battle. You've got to win that matchup. You've got to get some of that push. And so the running back's huge day for the Seminoles. The offensive line was okay. They've got to play better if they want to have that type of success on the ground again. Yeah, defensively with Florida State, again, hard to make a lot of judgments um, based on the, the level of competition it's going to go up. But a couple names that, that have popped out to me when I've done a little research or looked around, Jamie Robinson at safety is a guy that I believe is a South Carolina transfer, um, made some plays for them last year, is a guy that they're really counting on. Jared Verse on the defensive line, uh, number five, Albany mm-hmm. transfer that had a ton of sacks, tackles for loss at that level, got a sack in the first game, is someone that Florida State's really looking forward to. I hate to be reductive. I feel like I always reduce football to this, uh, but I really feel like it's going to be a game that's won or lost in the trenches both ways, and I, I hate to like lean on that cliche, but I really feel like you have, no matter what, I think it's going to be pretty even at quarterback, uh, depending on who LSU runs out there. I think it's going to be pretty even uh, in terms of talent, experience. Certainly Jaden Daniels um, and, and, uh, and, and Jordan Travis are similar in terms of experience. Nussmeyer a little less experienced, but if he wins the job, that says a lot about uh, his ability. I think LSU's got more playmakers on the outside. Florida State's got a couple guys, uh, including the six-seven guy, um, who who didn't do much in the first game, but six-seven is always something to contend with. I feel like LSU's got the advantage there. I feel like you know secondary on the edges of the team. Okay, like I, I probably like LSU's advantage a little bit there. I really think it's going to come down to which offensive line can create more running lanes, protect its quarterback more, which defensive line can be most disruptive. I really feel like that's the story of the game. That's why I feel confident about LSU because of that front four and the ability to generate push. The depth of that front four, we'll see with LSU. I think it's got to continue to develop, um, but I really like – the matchup with LSU's front four against that Florida State offensive line. I like the front seven matchup, but certainly the front four. And you mentioned, in, okay, some depth. And when you look inside, we mentioned Roy, we mentioned Mason Smith there, Guillory, uh, you got Wingo. They're going to come in. They're going to spell your starters there. So you like where your depth's at there. On the edge, who's going to be that third guy in? What's that going to look like? And so that's going to be an important question. But we've talked about this LSU defensive line for six months. Now it's time to show up. Now it's time to go out there and dominate. On paper, talent-wise, you're better than Florida State's front five. Go show us. Go prove our point that we've been talking about for six months. You've got you know, three guys, four guys that potentially could be all SEC-type guys. You've got three that I believe have been some type of either preseason or at the end of the season, all SEC, first, second team in some way, right? You've got that already. Go prove that. Go show why you are su- supposed to be the most dominant unit on this team, maybe outside of receiver. All right, let's wrap with this. Who? Give me one name, each of you. Harrison, we can start with you. I'm going to put you under pressure here. Give me one name on the depth chart for LSU that maybe is a little bit under the radar that you're looking forward to seeing or who you think might pop. If you're not ready, I'll – I I'll, think Noah Kane's intriguing. Okay, Noah Kane, someone yeah. Someone that we haven't seen before, someone that was a highly touted recruit out of high school. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he fares with the Tigers. The guy that I'm looking forward to seeing – is Greg Brooks. I feel like in the nickel for LSU, and it could be him, it could be Sage Ryan, but I've seen a little bit of Greg Brooks in the fall, and maybe I just was out there on the right day where I think he's somebody that can be disruptive for LSU and make some plays. I'm excited to see him in that nickel, rushing the quarterback, getting in the backfield, in coverage. I think he can be a real weapon for LSU. Hester, who you got? All right, so I've got three. Okay. Because they're the forgottens. Okay, give me the forgottens. Dre Jenkins. Dre Jenkins. I didn't forget that time. Progress. Jay Ward and Josh Williams. Oh, the Jays. 
That's my three. Bi- because you have a J bias here. Because Jacob J Ward, go back. We're talking about UCLA. Go back and look when he goes out of that game. How much the defense changed? Yep, completely different. Dre, for all the reasons already laid out and gave Card- uh, Cody a hard time for. Josh Williams forever forgotten. He's in this rotation. He is going to play on Sunday. He is going to be in the game in big moments where they need a back that they can trust. It's just he's already done it in his LSU career. I've already waxed poetically about him enough on this podcast. Y'all know how I feel about him. Those three guys, they get a little bit lost for whatever reason. They're going to make game-changing plays Sunday in Superdome. I also think we saw Mike Jones at the end of the year kind of start to really develop and, you know, new defense, new staff. I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, he progresses too. Who? Mike Jones. Ah, there you Uh, go. There you go. Uh, I'm fired up. All right. I I have come uh, 180. I was going to say 360. 360 with me, and that's back where I started. Uh, I've done a 180. I'm ready now. Are you Uh, sure you're a professor? I'm I'm ready. No, no, I'm ready. Like, I wish I had done this before going to class because I would have brought more juice to class. I got the juice now. I'm fired up. Uh, My my tank is full. Thank you, Marathon Petroleum. I'm going to get the most out of my drive today, and you are too. Uh, And LSU is going to get the most out of all of its drives on Sunday against Florida State. I'm confident of that. I'm feeling good. Uh, We're not going to do predictions. We don't do the prediction business around here, but I'm excited to get a lot of questions answered in week one for LSU football. It's going to be exciting. You have a test in Florida State that I think is going to require LSU to be at its best. It's not a cupcake opener. It's not one that they can just roll out the footballs and get three or four drives in and uh, celebrate a bunch of touchdowns and then get the backups in. It's going to be a real test of Brian Kelly's program, his players, and his process. So I can't wait to see how they attack that test. And uh, hopefully they attack it well. And we're back next week talking very positively about LSU football. And if they don't, we'll figure out what went wrong and uh, and how the Tigers can fix it. But I'm staying optimistic. I think it's going to be a good weekend for LSU. And hopefully when we come back next week, that prediction will hold true. So until then, we will uh, see you next time on Hey Fight Podcast. Light nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said, fight, fight, fight. Victory for, victory for, victory for LSU. We are number, number one. Victory.